Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Previously on Murder on the Space Coast, where is Brandy Hall? So, you know, I would pray that we do find her, but whether we will or not, I just don't know. I just don't know. I'm not going to quit. She was a true country girl, tomboy. She could outdo things most guys couldn't do. I mean, welding, fishing, hunting, shooting. She could shoot better than anybody I know. Um, She could weld better than most men I know. I'm John Torres, and welcome back to Season 3 of Murder on the Space Coast, Where is Brandy Hall? Over the course of the first three episodes, we learned that the once idyllic life of a 32-year-old firefighter named Brandy Hall turned sour when her husband, a former fire chief from Osceola County, was arrested for a marijuana-growing operation. Brandy was initially charged as well. The charges against her were dropped, but she still lost her dream job as a firefighter in the city of Palm Bay. She was due to be a star witness for her husband in court the morning of August 18th, 2006, testifying in a bid to keep him out of prison. She was angry, but she was going to be there for him. Friends said Brandy was worried about money and how she'd take care of her two young children if Jeff was imprisoned. So that night, August 17th, 2006, just before 11 p.m., Brandy Hall left the fire station where she volunteered and had been planning to work an overnight shift. She'd asked if she could leave early. She had a lot on her mind. Her husband had his big court date the next morning, but Brandy never made it home. She's been missing now for more than 11 years. Her children have grown up without a mother. Her parents have suffered greatly too. Brandy's mom still holds out hope that someday her only daughter will walk through her front door. Now in this episode, we're going to surprise you just a little bit. We've told you a few times that Brandy's a little complicated and, well, here it comes. Brandy's disappearance that night also changed the life of somebody else. That man was a fire captain in Palm Bay. He'd worked with Brandy, and they were close. Really close. But let's first go back to that night and the last things we know for sure that Brandy did. At 9.45 p.m., Brandy calls home and speaks to Jeff and the kids to say goodnight. She told Jeff she would see him in the morning and be at the sentencing hearing. They said, I love you. We heard Jeff say this last episode. I spoke to that night. Um, She had called when... um, to say the prayers with the kids, and I forget what show was on. It was like the finale of Big Brother or, or some, you know, one of the shows that was on back then. I yeah. forget. And um, they said the prayers, and I said, I'll talk to you later. And she says, love you. And she goes, love you. And um, the kids were laying in bed with me, you know, watching TV. Jeff had taken another call that night about 45 minutes earlier 
from that Palm Bay fire captain I'd mentioned earlier. He's now retired. His name is Randall Richmond, and Jeff considered him a friend. Randall called Jeff to lend his support. Here is Brevard County Sheriff Wayne Ivey back in 2007 when he was the resident agent in charge for Florida Department of Law Enforcement, or FDLE, asking Randall about that call. I know there was a phone call between you and Jeff about you coming over to testify for him. That was the next day. Okay. Wasn't, wasn't it? Yeah, wasn't there one the night before day. about that, that you were going to be there for him? Yeah, yeah, there was. Tell me about that. Well, I just, he was worried about um, uh, his, his court thing, and, uh, and I told him that I'd be there. And, and that's, that's about all I can remember. The story gets a little more complicated, and within a few hours, Randall has decided not to go testify after all. But we'll get back to that. Anyway, according to phone records, that call from Randall to Jeff took place at 9 p.m. Brandy, as I said earlier, calls home at 9.45 p.m. We also know that shortly after talking to Jeff, Brandy decides to leave the fire station. Surveillance footage shows her milling around the common area of the firehouse at 10.32. At 10.50, another camera picks up her truck as it leaves the firehouse parking lot. Phone records indicate Brandy uses her Nextel phone, which was a combination of a mobile phone and a walkie-talkie, to call her cell phone voicemail right after leaving the station. What else? Oh, here is a retired detective who was once described as a human bloodhound, Sid Ladow. She pulled out of there about 10.30. Uh, we've got that on a tape that they had a, a, a camera there. She went up to the Sunoco station, filled her truck up with diesel fuel, and she called somebody we'll just call unidentified person. Brandy makes that call at 11.06 p.m., 16 minutes after leaving the fire station and after having checked her voicemail. She calls Palm Bay Fire Captain Randall Richmond, the same Randall Richmond who had talked to her husband earlier that evening, reassuring Jeff Hall that he'd be in court the next morning lending support. The call between Brandy and Randall lasts exactly 10 minutes and 46 seconds. But that wasn't the first time they had talked that day. According to phone records, they'd also spoken at 2.49 p.m., at 4.24 p.m., and 6.36 p.m. In fact, we previously heard Wayne Ivey tell Randall that Randall and Brandy spoke either by text or phone about 52 times a day. Yes, you heard that right, 52 times a day. It turns out that Randall Richmond was a little more than just a close family friend. Randall and Brandy had been having an extramarital affair, and well, it wasn't just a one-off, according to detectives and Randall. They had been seeing each other for nearly 10 years, according to Brandy's friends and other firefighters who spoke to Sid. In fact, the two were referred to by some as Brandle. It seems as if just about everyone knew about it. Ronnie McClellan, who used to lend Brandy money, told Sid Liddow that Brandy and Randall were always together and that everybody around them knew of the affair. But apparently there were two people who did not know, or at least even if they had heard the rumors, did not believe them. Brandy's husband Jeff 
and Randall's wife, Anne-Marie. Yes, Randall was married, and he and his wife had three sons. Jeff Hall and Anne-Marie Richmond may have had inklings and bad feelings about how close Brandy and Randall were and how much time they spent together, but that was all. Here is Jeff Hall talking about the rumors. We joked about it, you know, but I never, you know, you always hear things, you know, saying, oh, yeah, they're swearing. Well, no, no, that's bullshit because Randall's actually right here with the shop. I get a call, well, Randall at the Motel 6 or something. I said, no, Randall's here at my shop. You know, I take a picture, send it. Oh, okay, just a rumor, you know, rumor. It's a um, typical fire department, you know. You tell a fireman, teletype, you know, telegraph. You know, it's, it's, it's typical fire department. Whether Jeff believed it or not, I can't imagine it would be a pleasant experience to have people calling, telling you that your wife is cheating on you. Retired Detective Sid Ladow says it was only after Jeff served his prison sentence of a little more than a year that he learned about the affair for sure. After he got out of prison, he only did about 14 months Um, he found one of her telephones at home. He got into it, and there was the, there it was right there. There was no doubt left in his mind. He took the telephone to his lawyer, and uh, the lawyer had it transcribed and gave us a transcription. What about Randall's wife, Anne-Marie? Well, she wouldn't agree to an interview for the podcast. Actually, she told me a few years ago to never contact her again. Court records show that Anne-Marie and Randall divorced in 2013. Like Jeff, she heard rumors about her husband and Brandy, and it led to a heated exchange between Anne-Marie and Brandy at the Grant Seafood Festival six months before Brandy went missing. This heated exchange caught a lot of people's attention. It was apparently ugly. A word about the Grant Seafood Festival. It is a huge deal. In fact, the annual festival has been going on for more than 50 years. It is all volunteer-driven, and all the proceeds go back into the Grant community, an area south of Palm Bay and Malabar. It's the kind of weekend festival where you can get shrimp and grits, conch fritters, oysters, clams, alligator bites, and all your other typical Florida seafood favorites. Everyone turns out for it. And the firefighters normally man the beer tent, so everyone they know is usually hanging around, or helping, or drinking. And at this particular festival, something happened that got much of Malabar talking, or at least seemed to. Here is Randall, two days before Christmas 2007, talking with FDLE agent Tom Davis. Yes, that Tom Davis from seasons one and two, about the incident at the seafood festival and about whether Brandy had ever threatened to expose the affair. He downplayed the entire confrontation between Brandy and his wife, Anne-Marie. Wish you had told your wife about the affair. I read there was a run-in between your wife actually confronted her one time a few years ago or something. That was at the Grant Seafood yeah. Festival, mm-hmm. and it was, it was nothing at all like what somebody had said. There was stuff that was on the internet, you know, Stuff came out on the internet. Yeah, there was stuff that came out on the internet about this great big huge shouting match between him and her, and a f- I mean uh, between my wife and her, and a fight and all of it. That's not any, not at all how it yeah. happened. Not at all. 
I mean, one, I was there, and two, there was even another person there that, that went on the internet and said, no, y'all are wrong. That is not how it happened. Somebody's blowing stuff out of proportion because I was there and that's not how it happened. You know, that was, all that stuff was just blown out of proportion. I mean, it wasn't a shouting match. It wasn't a fight. It wasn't anything at all like that. But yeah. no, she had she never. She had never confronted your wife, or she had never. She she had, and she had never said to me, you know, either I get money or I'm going to tell. She didn't. No, 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 no. And your wife knew about it. She knew that we were very good friends, yeah. and of course, she had the intuition to know that it was getting way too close, <laughs> way too much. Mm -hmm. And uh, she didn't know that I'd actually, you know, had the... Right. See, my wife called it an affair anyway, so I have to, you know, that that whole relationship. Yeah, yeah. Because, I can imagine. Uh, uh, how did... I can imagine. Yeah, so, you know, my wife didn't actually know about the sex part. Yeah. Okay, she knew that we had no sex. Okay. She didn't know that we had sex, but my wife called that an affair, of course. But according to many others, including Jeff Hall, the incident at the Grant Seafood Festival was pretty significant. I heard about it through... I mean, was it from Brandy? You know, like, did she say something? Oh, Brandy said something to me. Um, a bunch of firemen said something to me. A bunch of people I knew said something to me. A lot of people, you know, witnessed us. And she she just got into her shit, and and um, I mean she was accusing them of having an affair, basically. Yeah, yeah, and and you know now we know that Anne Marie's assumptions were correct. The incident was significant enough that Detective Mike Pusatier mentioned it to me, and retired Detective Sid Ladau has numerous entries about it in his report. Just about everyone he interviewed, along with Doc Jones, either witnessed it or heard about it. According to one eyewitness in Sid's notes, it started when Brandy asked Randall why he was wearing a wedding ring. He asked her to lower her voice and Brandy just got louder and louder until Anne-Marie heard what was going on. Sid's notes also contain a short transcript of an interview with Anne-Marie herself. Here's what it quotes Anne-Marie as saying. Brandy made a scene at the Grand Seafood Festival. She told me that I was nothing more than a two-year-old piece of shit. She asked why I was wearing a wedding ring. It never came to blows, but it's not entirely clear what happened next. Just as there are differing stories about how serious the confrontation was, we'll never know the truth, but some exchange happened between Brandy and the wife of the man she'd been sleeping with for years. And it got the town talking. So anyway, back to Brandy's last phone call. The last known conversation anyone has had with Brandy Hall is a 10 minute and 46 second call she has with her lover, Randall Richmond. The cryptic nature of the phone call, or at least as Randall described it to authorities, has always been puzzling. Here is Randall Richmond again, telling then special agent Wayne Ivey about the phone call to Brandy and him breaking the news to her that he would not be at Jeff's sentencing the following morning after all. Well, she was, you know, a little upset that, you know, well, you told Jeff you were going to be there, and, you know, he's counting on you, and, 
you know, I said, yeah, I said, I know he's counting on me. And I said, I'm sure he's counting on a lot of people to come in and stand up for him and, and, and say something. I said, but, you know, you got to remember, you know, the position I'm in, you know, as a public service employee and a captain at the fire department and everything else. I said, you know, I, 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 I can't, I, I just can't do it. I don't think it's going to look good. You know, I don't think it's going to do, um, do my career any good, you know. And, you know, I think she was, you know, uh, let down that I wasn't going to help. So she her. wanted you to help him? Yeah, know? she wanted me to help him, you know. Why do you think that was? Well, I'm sure she didn't want her husband going to jail. I don't know, I guess. I would think that would be the, you know, she didn't want her husband going to jail. I mean, she had made comments to me before, but, you know, during during the course of stuff like that, she said, if Jeff, Jeff goes to jail, I don't know what I'm going to do. I said, what do you mean, what you're going to do? She says, well, what do I do with the kids, you know? And I said, well, gee, you got your mom. The kids are in school during the day. You know, there's there's lots of things that can be juggled around with the kids, you know. Right. Okay. So she's obviously not happy, and you guys are talking back and forth, and then what happens? Kind of continual. Hmm. Gosh, I guess we talked about all the normal stuff about the business and, you know, because, you know, I, I always talked with her about business. What's going on at, at the airboat shop? You know, what's going on with your with your business? How's things progressing with builders? You know, stuff like and And I'm, I'm sure that's where the conversation went then, you know, and, and, and then, of course, you know, the biggest part of the conversation is where are you? What are you doing? You know. She had just left the firehouse and was presumably heading home, right? So exactly where was she and what was she doing? Here is Randall Richmond again, talking with Ivy. And she tells you that she's leaving. Yeah, uh, I'm leaving. Uh, where, where are you going? What are you doing? Uh, I, I, you know, she wasn't real clear about it, you know. Um, well, what are you doing right now? She says, I'm waiting on money. I says, what do you mean you're waiting on money? Well, I'm getting money. Where are you getting money from? Who are you getting money from? You know, never was there any answers to those questions. Never. Okay. And where was she at during that call? She was at, well, she told me she was at the Sunoco. Okay. And, and which Sunoco? I'm assuming it would be the one, which is what I think I told in the... Um, interview and everything before would have been the one on the west side of 95, the big one. Because there's another one on the other side. It's called, the, this used to be called the store, but that's Sunoco also. Okay. I'm assuming that's where she would have been, you know, never really said. Right. Now that conversation became pretty emotional, right? Between you and her, her saying she's leaving? Well, it became confusing you know what do you mean you're leaving where are you going you know you can't leave aren't you violating something to do with what has happened with your drugs you know um, I I didn't know I thought I remembered something about sometime that she couldn't leave the area or something and and maybe I'm wrong I didn't know you know you can't leave you know that aren't you going to be violating something uh, what are you going to do about the kids what about Jeff you know how are you going to you know how are you going to take care of the kids you can't leave you know things like that and like I said nothing was ever answered whether she was leaving for 
an hour, three hours. You know, so she wouldn't answer any of those questions. No, she was very vague in all of it. So she didn't tell you she wasn't coming back or anything. No, nope. she just said, "No, nope. I'm, I'm leaving." All right. So, like you said just now, for all you knew, she was leaving for a day or three hours or whatever. Okay. All right. Now you hang up the phone with her, and that's it. Well, I told her. I said, "Do I need to come down there?" No, you don't need to come down here. Don't come down here. You know, okay. and that, and pretty much I left it at that. Richmond leaves it at that. The phone call ends at 11.17 p.m. And what immediately raises a red flag is the fact that on average, he and Brandy would either text or call each other 52 times a day. She suddenly springs news on him that she's leaving, and he's like, um, okay. The idea she would leave at that moment is one that retired Detective Sid Dow has a hard time swallowing as well. She thought that her husband was going to go to prison the next day. If he had, um, who was going to take care of the kids? She couldn't have run away. Somebody had to take care of those kids. She loved those kids. We reached out to Randall hoping that he'd talk. His lawyer said he would, but only through email. He told us that Brandy, and I'm quoting, seemed a bit apprehensive, end quote, in that late night phone call. Randall said she told him, quote, she was waiting on someone she was borrowing money from. End quote. Meanwhile, around the same time, Jeff Hall hears from his attorneys that his sentencing hearing has been moved up to earlier in the day. He knows that sometimes Brandy works in the morning, driving heavy machinery or welding, and wants to make sure that she knows to be in court earlier than previously expected. He calls Brandy at 11.48 p.m., but there is no answer. He also tries her next tell, and again, there is no answer and nobody sees Brandy again. Or do they? This is about the same time that Palm Bay police officer Jasmine Campbell is on patrol in the area. She rolls up to the Hess gas station on Malabar Road near I-95 and sees an odd sight. A Palm Bay fire captain's red Chevy Suburban parked there. She makes note of it, wondering if something is going on. Again, here is retired Palm Bay detective, Sid Liddell. A couple of minutes later, along came a Palm Bay police officer and saw that vehicle there and wondering what, was, what it was doing there. She got out, looked around, she said, well, I guess some firefighter is uh, out there checking something. She got back in her vehicle and drove around to the back of the place and she saw over there at Home Depot, but where they sell trees and stuff, she saw a big pickup truck. So she went down there. She could tell as she neared it and turned her light on high. The driver was a, a lady and long blonde hair, and there was another person in the front seat with her. She drove around to the back, was going to call in the tag. I'm going to interrupt Sid here for a moment. It is normal procedure for officers to call in plate numbers of cars like this, kind of in an area where there are are no other vehicles and not really parked in a proper spot. The truck was likely Brandy's tricked-out green 2002 Chevy Silverado. But according to Palm Bay Detective Mike Pusatier, something prevented Campbell from radioing in that night. 
And that officer, I think I read, she was gonna call in the place, but there was a lot of traffic on the radio that night. Yes, there was an officer that had a foot pursuit, and so there was emergency traffic only on the radio, so she couldn't get on the radio, and she was actually going off duty. So she's like, well, you know, but there's a fire captain's truck there, so it's probably nothing, and went home. And then when she saw, heard about the missing person, she did report it, so. In fact, it was the very next day that Campbell turned in a tip sheet. The officer that saw the fire supervisor's vehicle at the Hess station, she did what she was supposed to do. She went in, she turned in a tip sheet. I talked with the sergeant who had a broken arm at that time and had been assigned to take the tip sheets. He remembers writing that tip sheet down. And that's it. Brandy's gone. Of course, no one notices the mother of two is really gone until the following morning when Jeff says he was still unable to reach her. I know this is all a little complicated, so again, here is what we know right at the moment. We know Brandy was having an affair, a long-time affair with a fire captain. A fire captain who also considered Brandy's husband his friend. Everyone seemed to know, except Brandy's husband and Randall Richmond's wife. But there was tension, as seen with a heated exchange between Brandy and Randall's wife at the popular festival six months before Brandy went missing. We know that Randall talked to Jeff the night Brandy disappeared, reassuring him that he'd be in court to support him. But a few hours later, Randall talked to Brandy and said he wasn't going to court. What changed? We don't know. We also know that Brandy revealed something pretty shocking to Randall that night on the phone. According to Randall, at least. She said she was leaving. But Randall didn't get a lot of information. He didn't know where, why, or for how long. And lastly, we know that the surveillance footage of Brandy leaving the Malabar fire station might not have been her last sighting. She filled up her truck with gas at Sunoco, and later, what appears to have been her truck was spotted with its lights out in a parking lot. A blonde woman was inside. Brandy? We don't know for sure. And someone else. And then things take an ominous turn when a startling discovery is made only 12 hours later. Next time on Murder on the Space Coast, where is Brandy Hall? Around noon, a gentleman is fishing over by Eastern Florida State College, and his fishing line snags uh, what he, turns out to be some bunker gear from Firefighter, takes it over to the Palm Bay Fire Department that has a station right there on San Filippo, just maybe two, 300 yards north of there. Says, hey, I found this. We went up to the courthouse and we're all sitting around and everybody was there and Brandy wasn't there. I'm like, well, where is she at? And I just felt like something wasn't right. It's like, okay, where is she at? So she didn't show up. She didn't show up. Well, see, you really have to know that there's a pond back here. You don't she see knew it. because when she worked for uh, uh, St. John's Water Management, yeah. This is a training area, aquatic weeds and shit like that. If you have any information as to Brandy Hall's whereabouts, please call 1-800-423-TIPS. That's 1-800-423-8477. Calls are anonymous and are not recorded. To subscribe to Florida Today, please visit floridatoday.com forward slash W-M-O. For now, I'm news columnist John H. Juarez, and you can follow me on Twitter at 
John Albert Torres. That's at J-O-H-N-A-L-B-E-R-T-O-R-R-E-S. And for more information on these cases and web exclusives, please go to whereisbrandyhall.com. Murder on the Space Coast is written and narrated by me, John A. Torres. The producer is Rob Landers, and the editor is Mara Bellaby. Thank you for listening to Murder on the Space Coast, brought to you by Florida Today, a part of the USA Today Network.